Hey guys, welcome back to the Christ in Culture. This is Clint. Thanks again for joining us this week. We had a lot of fun recording, but we actually had some issues with some technical difficulties. So we apologize in advance for that. Some of the quality towards the end is a little rough. So please bear with us. And if you want to help us have better content in the future, you can become a patron by supporting us at patreon.com. You can find us at www.patreon.com backslash the Christ in culture. So thank you guys and hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Christ in Culture. This is Steve. And this is Clint. Gosh, so it's been week. So how have you been? What uh, What's new? What media have you been intaking? I've been good, man. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we just started recording here. I started actually exercising again. Yeah. Yeah, so I took, took like a, a wellness survey just like to see basically generally how is your, how is your life? How active are you? How are you taking care of your body, your mind, your, your yeah. spirituality, stuff like that? And I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to be decent, like not great. I botched. Oh, man, it was so bad. So I was like, I need to start working out again and eating healthy and yeah, praying more and everything. So, yeah, working on all the above, and it's been awesome. It's a good time to do it. Lent, right? Yeah, that's why I said that. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, so... I actually was thinking the same thing. So I finally, back in August, I hurt my back doing CrossFit. That's what you're doing. Yeah, and okay. that's why I haven't worked out since August. Because <laughs> that's why. Well, I like threw, <laughs> so I hurt my back really bad, and then I couldn't like turn my head. And where most people would go to the doctor, I waited until Friday, so the day before we record this. Makes sense. You want to make sure you're actually hurt before you go into the doctor. Yeah. Usually six months is a good time span. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I finally went to the <laughs> chiropractor. Um, and it was so, it was actually really funny because they were doing this whole like testing. You know, they're like, oh, do you feel this? Like, does this feel tender? And it's like horribly painful. And I'm like, As yeah. you're screaming yeah. in pain. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Yeah. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're doing all this. And so they have me stand in front of a mirror. And they're like, do you notice? They're like, oh, look, like. One of your shoulders is higher than your other shoulder. Yeah. Like, it was, like, by an inch. Like, it was very noticeable. Like, but you don't really notice it too much. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, like, really messed up. Mm -hmm. Like, and so then they, like, readjusted me and everything after they did their x-rays. And then I, like, looked in the mirror and my shoulders were level. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I was like, oh. (laughs) So I actually had something similar when I was in middle school and high school. Yeah. So when I was growing my legs were actually growing at different rates. Yeah. And so one of my legs was longer than the other. And you can't tell. I had to like really, really focus if I was going to even notice it. But it was shifting my spine. Yeah. And so I actually, there was a period of time where I think I like twisted my vertebrae or something like that. Like it was yeah. crucially painful. And like I couldn't turn my head at all. And so I had to go to the chiropractor all the time until my legs kind of mm-hmm. straightened out. 
Yep. So, yeah, they, that. they pretty much told me that one of my uh, femurs is slightly shorter than my other one. So Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't notice it. It's like, because my legs are, so like my uh, tibula is about the same length, but like, they were like, oh, wow, there's a little bit of a difference. And, or maybe it was my tibulas that are a little bit there. Anyway, it's like minuscule. It's like a fraction of an inch. But um, but they were like, yeah, your spine's like not curving the way it's supposed to all the time. So they're cracking me. And then they were like, wow, do you spend a lot of time in front of the computer? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> they were like, yeah. All of the time. <laughs> yeah. They were like, yes. So I can tell because your neck's like terrible. And they're like, and they showed me the x-ray and they're like, see how this vertebrae is slightly bigger than the other vertebrae in your neck? That's not supposed to happen. And that's only done with years of you just like not taking, like not having proper posture, like on a computer Mm. and it'll take years to reverse. And she's like, and if you don't like, it'll probably just lead to arthritis. And I was like, you'll probably die. No, just excruciating pain for my elderly years. Either way, I'm going to the chiropractor now. So I'm finally trying to take care of myself. That is my Lenten thing is I'm just like, maybe I won't neglect my body and my spiritual life and just everything that is me, you know, which is pretty much what I normally do. Pretty good Lent. Yeah. So trying to get back to the gym, should probably go to the dentist for the first time in three years. I thought you were going to say ever. I was like, wow. Yeah. Maybe even go to the doctor. Maybe even actually introduce myself to my primary care physician. I just picked one at random and then never contacted them to actually see if I could be Okay. <laughs> Become a patient. It was for my insurance. Anyway, this is my life. This is great. You're going to meet so many doctors the next month. I'm yeah. really excited for you. Yeah, this is going to be great. Um, they're going to be like, wow, you're falling apart. <laughs> Why did you wait this long? <laughs> Speaking of doctors, did you hear about Danny? Danny became a doctor? Yeah. Different kind of doctor. Yeah. But yeah. This is true. Good stuff. So, uh, Media. Have you been in taking anything new? Yeah. So this is spring break. So work's been... A little bit slower. So I actually started watching the Ted Bundy tapes. So David told me about it, but it's an, that's <laughs> a, that's a, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Super creepy stuff, but, uh, it's, it's on Netflix. It's just, uh, like the story of Ted Bundy and I think like an exclusive interview, like taped interview with mm. him. So all that is, kind of stuff. Is that the one where he talks, like they're interviewing him? I've seen a I've seen a video with him. I think it's him where they're like interviewing him, like how he ended up where he ended up, um, and he basically talks about like pornography leading him down that path. Uh, that's part of that? it. Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, but for the most part, the first like several months of the interview is like him just talking about his life. Yeah, and then they realize he's not going to say anything, and so they basically say. You're really smart. Hypothetically, from your expert opinion, what would someone have to do or what would the person be like if they were to commit these murders? And so he gave like excruciating detail from his perspective in the third person. So he's technically not confessing, but he told the entire story. Yeah. Yeah, no. And yeah, because I've seen the one clip where he's just talking like specifically like the pornography one where he's. Talking about how that leads you down this horrible, yeah, horrible yeah. path of abuse and violence. Um, yeah, that was part of it. So I remember seeing that clip and I'm like, holy. Yeah, like, it was crazy. Jeez. So yeah. that was one of the first first things. But then, dude, there's been so many good trailers that came out this week. Have you mm. seen I some of them? No. Uh, no. Okay. So there's there's three of them that I want to pull up. So the first one is 
there's a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air movie <gasps> coming out this year. I didn't even know they were making it. I just saw the trailer this morning. It looks awesome. Uh, yeah. I was just talking about Fresh Prince of Bel-Air yesterday. I know. This is weird. Well, I didn't know that. But that's so... Yeah. Like, it's so wow. exciting. Not a TV show, a movie, but it looks really good. It's, it takes place what looks like like contemporary. Yeah. So not back in the, the 90s, but... Yeah. Dude, I'm super excited for it. It looks good. And then Aladdin. Have you seen any of the Aladdin trailers? I have not. I know that they're making a live action reboot mm-hmm. of it. Um, but Also Will Smith. Yeah. But so here's the thing. I had the same kind of response as you just gave. So the first trailer was not good. And the Will Smith interpretation of the genie was also kind of rough in, in that first trailer. Second trailer totally redeems it. I don't, oh, really? know, I don't even know why they'd send out the first trailer because it makes it look so much worse. But second one makes it look a lot better. So excited for that one. And then the big one that came out, I think, yesterday or the day before, Avengers Endgame. Oh, they've released another trailer? The new trailer. I haven't seen it. I'm going it. I've watched it a couple times now, and every time I get, like, goosebumps. It's so good. So good. So you need to go check it out. Okay. I because... Will. I will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's wild. It's, we see, well, I don't want to spoil it, but Captain Marvel does make an appearance in the trailer. Well, I would assume. Yeah. So well, it's the waiting. first time. Yeah, they were probably waiting until after the movie released before they released that trailer. Right. You know what trailer I want to see? What movie or what trailer? What trailer okay. of a movie I want to see. Okay, I don't know. The Community movie. Wait a second. What? It's not coming out yet. Community, like the TV show? Like the TV show? show. Like I'm just saying, it's six seasons in a movie. I'm waiting for the movie. That wasn't a... That's not saying it's coming out. They're not oh. making it currently. But I'm calling out Dan Harmon and the cast of Community. Because I know he listens. He definitely does. He has to. My dreams would be shattered if he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Let me live in my illusion. Yeah. I want to see I want a movie. I want to see this movie. <laughs> I want Troy and Abed back. Yeah, hashtag anime. I want Troy and Abed in the morning. Troy and Abed in the I morning. Just, I just rewatched um, the episode where they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, that's such a good one. Yeah, and with dr- Pierce. Oh yeah, and um, what's his name, Mister Chang? Mm-hmm. Dresses up as a a drow. A drow. And he's like completely in blue paint. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's yeah, that one's so funny. And then um, yeah, you got Neil. Neil, Fat Neil. That's oh, why they're playing it. Yeah, I forgot yeah, about yeah. him because yeah. it's been so long since I've watched those episodes. But yeah, other than that, I haven't really been taking anything other than Brooklyn Nine Nine in an unhealthy way. Yeah, you were talking about that a little bit last week, I think too. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Is I watch a lot of Brooklyn Nine Nine right now. I'm trying to binge the entire series. Okay. Still um, one season, right? Or is it two? There is six seasons. Six seasons? They're on the sixth season, I believe. Oh my gosh, I'm so far behind. Yeah, but it's really I, good. Show. I wasn't planning on watching it, but... You should plan on watching it. It's a great show. I have... Okay, maybe someday. Yeah, after you're done watching A Serial Killer, you can watch fun. Speaking of fun... Fun... Oh, yeah. Man, there's so much dark stuff this yeah. week. Speaking of segues this book yeah okay so the other thing that i've been taking in uh if you are watching us live patrons uh you can see this book 
It is called The Lord of the Flies. This was requested by uh, one of our listeners, Grant. So thank you, Grant, for another request, because I know we've done one of yours before. Man, this book is so weird. I have never read it. You, you Why? Why? Because <laughs> it's mandatory. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's mandatory in every school. So it's... Hopefully one, most of you read, have read this book. Yeah, it's one of those books that it's kind of like... Did you go to school, Steve? I did. You played hickey this So, day. no, so... I lived in Pittsburgh, and I was in Shaler area school districts uh, for most Ooh. of my life, and through fourth grade. And then when I went to fifth grade, it was down in Georgia, because I lived about forty-five minutes north of Atlanta. You did? I did uh, for three years, and then we moved back. What? What ended up being weird is I think I missed this book because the curriculum was like it was weird. Switched. I also never took one of the pre-algebra courses because pre-algebra for like the the one level math class that I was supposed to take was fifth grade in the Pittsburgh school districts. Okay. And when I moved to Georgia, they were they taught that in fourth grade. And so in fifth grade, I basically was relearning half of the material. And then the other half of the material was based on stuff that I had never actually done in math. It made for a really interesting year of being like, yeah, I've been here, done this pre-algebra, and then also move on to, oh, hey, man, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and they're like, you should have learned this last year. And I was like, I lived in Pet- Pittsburgh last year. We didn't cover this. We covered the stuff that you covered the first half of the year. We don't it do math really in Pittsburgh. It was really weird, um, but it led me to miss, I assume, the reading of this book. Okay. I had never that read it. That makes sense. But hopefully, most of you listening, if you live in the United States, you probably have read this book already. So Yeah. I'm familiar with the book existing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, I'll go through most of it. Uh, we'll go and get started because books take a long time to talk about. But we have our main character. His name is Ralph. And immediately in the first chapter, he meets this really fat boy. Uh, who he starts calling Piggy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so mean. It's so mean. But there's there's purpose to it as well. So um, they start kind of talking about how they're on a plane full of kids. This seems to be during like World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in a plane full of kids that was attacked. And so the pilot essentially dropped them somehow. And they mm-hmm. ended up on this island. Yeah. And so they're kind of all scattered throughout the island. And so the reason why Ralph calls him Piggy is because this kid starts opening up to Ralph just right away. And he starts saying about how back in school, people would always call him Piggy, but he hated it. So like, please don't tell anyone. And then Ralph makes fun of him. And later on, as soon as he meets everyone else, he introduces this kid as Piggy and it just sticks and everyone makes fun of him. And that's a pretty common trend throughout the entire book is everyone makes fun of this kid. They got different stuff going on. We find out that he has asthma, and they make fun of him for that, too. He has glasses, and they make fun of him for that, too. And we find out that Ralph's dad is a commander in the Navy, mm-hmm. and that he's pretty confident that his dad's just going to come rescue them. But then Piggy is very smart. He's very scientific, and he basically says, well, how would he find us? Because we never made it to where we were supposed to make it, so he has no idea where we are. And so this realization kicks in that they're stuck and they got to figure out a way to be found. 
during this whole thing, Piggy is like obsessed with cleaning his glasses. Okay. I think already in this this first chapter, he's done it like three to five times or something like that. Like it's ridiculous. He okay. just keeps doing it. And I think that because everything in this book is supposed to be symbolic. I think the reason why he does that is draw draw attention to how important they become later on in the story. And so we'll kind of see how that plays in. So Piggy says that they need to figure out where the rest of the guys are because they were scattered somehow all throughout the island. And I think immediately this kind of shows a need for community. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we'll see that more too. But And so right after this, they find a shell, a conch shell, right? And so this becomes a really important item too because that's what they use to call each other. And so it's like one of those oh, things where yeah. you blow in it and it's like a trumpet kind of thing. Okay, okay. And so they basically use it to summon everyone to their spot. And they start having this meeting or a gathering, and which is a common thing. Basically, in this first meeting, they kind of establish a few different things, which we'll get to in a second. But one of the things that they establish is Ralph is going to be their chief, their leader. And so he carried the conch. And during the meetings, you had to have that to speak. And so it was like this this item of power in a way. So they call this meeting and people start coming in. And the book describes that there's kind of like this this haze, but it describes it as shiny diamond haze. And so we have this kind of imaging of a bright haze, but then it's interrupted by these shadowy figures walking through in black hooded outfits with black caps and we find out that they are like a a choir from the school so they're mostly older boys they're all very proud they're they are the um what are they called from harry potter prefects Mm -hmm. yeah so they're like the prefects in the school so people that the younger kids would look up to right and so they're very proud and they walk through very organized almost militia like through this haze and so I think there's a little bit of imagery there in this description of the light haze being disturbed by yeah. these dark figures. So, so far, uh, based off community and that, is there anything that you want to break down thoughts of? Well, yeah. So I, like I said, I've never read the book. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of know where the book goes to because yeah. like, when people talk about this book, they're talking about a very specific thing in yep. the book. Yep. But yeah, I think that uh, this, my understanding is that this book is a really good take on like human uh, nature mm-hmm. is the words I'm looking for. It's a good take on human nature. The reason that is, is because it, it goes to show both, yeah, immediately we're, immediately we're drawn toward community, like mm-hmm. that we have this need to belong that ultimately we as creatures can't actually do any like do it on our own right yeah. the reason that humanity has grown the way it has right and the reason that we are recording in this apartment with all of this crazy technology is that we're gifted intellect for sure but why didn't you know why did the you know hunting gatherer solitary cavemen come together in groups? It's because we were built for community, mm. right? That we each have individual gifts and talents that we have to contribute to society as a whole. 
right? That we can't ultimately do it alone, that your guy who, and this is something that I think the doomsday prepper sometimes miss, is they're like, well, I'm just going to survive alone. I was like, yeah, but... Then what? <laughs> yeah, but like, you you can probably survive on your own, but can you thrive on your own, right? Can we be fully alive and fully ourselves? Yeah. Uh, I was talking to a guy named David, uh, not, the, not your roommate David, but a different friend of mine, and we were talking about... We were talking about Brave New World, but we were talking about people and how they will... So, like, when you look at, like, society today, we have, like, the reason, you know, when we're talking about Brave New World, they have Soma, and the reason that people need that escapism is because, you know, if you are in excessive poverty and all of your brain power and everything you're focused on is survival to the next day, Mm -hmm. then it's, there's a certain grace in that that you can look and see, and I've always seen it as you can look and see, like, how much you're reliant on God, and I think that's true but you also can get lost in the survival of it. Mm. Whereas when you look at that rich person in Hollywood that's still suffering to, with depression, even though they're surrounded by people who love them, adoring fans, friends, money, and everything that we traditionally would say will make you happy and they still feel empty, it's hard to face that because you immediately recognize when you have everything. Like we in America have this ability where we can realistically have everything we need and realize there's still something missing. And so I think often we try to strive for more power or more money or more fame or whatever it is. But even when you reach the top, you realize that you're missing something. Yeah. I mean, we'll kind of just keep plugging along because sorry, no, that's good. Yeah, so they have this meeting. They decide Ralph is going to be the the chief, but there's other kind of characters I want to introduce here. So the other one is the leader of those black figures. Yeah. His name is Jack. Okay. And he decides that he will lead his guys to be the hunters. And then we have a few other characters. One is Simon, who's a pretty common character that comes up later on. And he, we don't really know much about him at first, but we see that he's really quiet, but very kind for the most part and he kind of clings to ralph a lot as well but also goes off and does his own thing so eventually they decide that they need to figure out is this an island or not so they climb the mountain together and they look out they realize this is a real island and they eventually they get hungry so they go back to the beach and so while they're doing that they find a pig and jack is going to kill it but then can't do it and so he's a hunter and he always talks about, I'm a hunter. You know, that's his identity as on this island mm-hmm. at least. And he can't kill it. So he frees it instead. And he says next time. And I think this is some foreshadowing to basically the rest of the book mm-hmm. where he's always hunting pigs the entire time. Okay. Yeah. So they have another meeting. They establish more rules and all this stuff. And then there's a little boy that comes up. He has a, a scar on his face, and he he says that during the night he saw a beastie, it's just a scary beast. And he says it was like a giant snake that tried to eat him, it came out of the woods. And then some of the other boys are like, oh, no, it doesn't come out of the woods, it comes out of the water. And so there's this fear of the beast, right? And a lot of the older boys kind of just make fun of him. But I think there's something to say about this beast because it comes up throughout the entire book and in different places. And I'll kind of talk about that. But I think, and I'm not sure yet, 
but I think it might have a reference to Satan in a mm-hmm. way. Yeah, that's my that was immediately what I thought. Yeah, and so the reason why I thought of this was obviously the beast, but also the reference as the serpent, mm-hmm. right? And so as soon as we have this mention of the beast, we start to see division in the community. Mm. And the reason why is people are deciding either it's real or it's not real. And so they start dividing, right? And we see that immediately. And so right after that, they decide that there's not a beast, right? And that's what all the older boys say. And I think we do this too, right? Satan's not real. It doesn't exist. You're just making that up. And so there's nothing to be afraid of, right? And so that's a conversation that goes throughout the entire thing. They decide next that if they're going to get rescued, they need a fire. So they go back up to the mountain and they start building like just this massive fire. And the next thing that happens is Ralph and Jack are kind of talking and again, going to community. They talk about with the two of them, they're so powerful, they can accomplish anything. Yeah. And so we start to see this kind of pride come into them. Mm-hmm. And they pretty soon they realize they have this big pile of wood, but they have no way to light it. And so Jack yells at Piggy, kicks him, or no, he punches him in the gut. That's what it is. And then steals the glasses from him and uses the glasses to start a fire. And so they start kind of really just tearing on on Piggy. They've already been making fun of him for being fat and have asthma and stuff like that. But now, like, they're just any excuse they can use to, to beat on him. They're taking advantage of it. And so they take the glasses. And I think that's kind of what the washing of the glasses early on was kind of foreshadowing is how important they are. And so they build this fire. But in the fire, it actually catches part of the forest on fire. Mm. And right after that, Piggy points out to the rest of them that the boy with the scar was playing down in the woods when Mm. the fire started. And they realized the next day, the boy's not there anymore. And so they had accidentally killed this little boy. Yeah. Right? So we flash forward a couple of days. Um, they're trying to hunt and build shelters, but everyone's kind of just getting distracted and not doing any of their work. They're having fun playing in the, the water, stuff like that. And Jack is obsessed now with killing pigs. He hasn't done it yet, but he's obsessed. Like he's a hunter. He's going to do it. And so he starts to take on this like persona of just wild man, like starts to become almost less than human. Something happens with the beastie again, and now everyone's starting to be afraid and wonder, is this yeah. is this thing real? So eventually they start getting into a routine, and we see later on in, in this chapter that they start picking on some of the little kids. So they divide out little ones, is what they call the kids that are like under five, basically, and then big ones, which are the kids who are like in middle school. So we have like these groups. And so some of the big ones are bullying the little ones. And it, it makes a point to mention that even though they're being mean, it recognizes that they know that what they're doing is wrong, but they're doing it because there's no adults to punish them. And so I wonder if we could talk about, well, actually, I want to mention one more thing first. So Jack during this time also decides to make face paint out of clay and dirt and stuff. And he starts to cover himself. And whenever he wears the face paint, he becomes a different person, more animal like in nature than than human and then um piggy starts offering ideas of how to get rescued 
and they'll shoot him down. So as soon as something logical comes in, they just knock it down. So I wonder if we could talk a little bit about just like natural law and identity a little bit, because I think that really comes here where yeah. they recognize they're doing something wrong. So I, just what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I want to go back real quick. Sure. When you see that pride enter in with sort of the beast, is obviously it's these kids that deny that the beast exists, right? That the serpent exists. Mm-hmm. And I think that that ultimately is kind of how Satan plays it, right? That he wants to influence us without us recognizing that he's influencing us, right? So like pride enters in when we deny that Satan's at work and then ultimately deny that God is at work. And so I just think that that's really interesting little parallel. But yeah, back to kind of what you're talking about with natural law. Yeah, it's such a bleak picture of um, human nature Mm -hmm. that fundamentally we are these sort of self-interested monsters. But you see it sometimes because the dredges of sin, you see very similar things, right? When people are completely lost to to sin, you do see this just horrible self-interest. And, you know, there are people out there that, you know, if you can deny God, right? If there's no divine retribution, if there's no, then, you know, really anything's fair game. So you have a guy, uh, Peter Singer, and he is the ethicist who says that you should be able to kill children. Because they're not viable. That if God's not real and he really believes this, if God's not real and you're being actually intellectually honest, then if you have a child up until, you know, whatever, four or five, something like that, and you realize, ah, parenthood is not for me, you should be able to euthanize the child. Because they're not really intelligent enough to make their own decisions. They're not really people as we understand them. And Mm -hmm. so you see that and you get shocked because you're like, how is that possible? And ultimately, it goes back to this, well, who is the one that ultimately makes the rules, right? In the book, it's, well, the parents aren't telling them not to bully. They know it's wrong, but there's no one to tell them they can't, so why not? It's the same thing, right? If God, like, it's this idea that we play with God. We're like, well, if I don't want, God can't tell me what to do, right? Because either he's not real or I'm so prideful that I ignore that he actually has the right to say those things. It's that old adage of, well, only God can judge me. And it's like, yes, and he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and we actually um, see this a little bit in, in the next chapter, but yeah. we, we can jump to that real quick because mm-hmm. they're they're having another meeting yeah. in, in this next chapter and they start having a debate again about the beast. Mm-hmm. And so Piggy says, he agrees with Jack, there is no beast because having a beast would be unscientific. Yeah. Right? And then we start going into this arguing and... Piggy says that there's not a beast, but there is this fear, and maybe that's the beast. Mm. And so he, he's kind of trying to rationalize this beast, right? But then from that, someone else says, well, maybe it's a ghost. And then they're like, well, do ghosts even exist? And they have a vote, right? And so that's how they decide what is true in these meetings is they have a vote. And so I was thinking about this, and... I think what happens is when we decide to put everything to like a public opinion, Mm -hmm. when we treat truth like an election, rules and morality become viewed as just relative suggestions. And I think that's something that we're seeing now because we're so set in our democratic mindset that we have this idea, well, those morals are outdated. 
Right. Well, it's this idea that we get to decide what's true, right? The yeah. truth doesn't exist and we don't have to adhere to reality, but that we somehow shape truth and reality based on a culture. I mean, it's it's the idea of moral relativism is yeah. what, what it is. And, and we get that even, oh. f- even further because immediately after this conversation, someone starts calling out Jack for breaking the rules that the group had set. And he responds with, who cares about the rules? Like, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. We make the rules. And so immediately we see they're starting to just really divulge into animals. Mm -hmm. And they're losing this community and the rules that are kind of keeping them grounded. Yeah. And so I think that that's interesting because obviously um, we live in a society of, in theory, the rule of law. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, and the thing with the rule of law that ends up being a good thing, where it is good, is that ultimately it treats people more or less pretty equally, right? The law is supposed to be applied to every individual equally. Mm-hmm. But you don't see that in yeah. Lord of the Flies, right? You have this breakdown of what is essentially morality, what is essentially rules... Because I, I think that that's a good, a good sort of snapshot of what does it look like when you have this complete divulgence and removal from the set of rules or the set of a system of how to abide our lives, right? We often talk about, you know, when you play sports, if you play football with no rules, it would just be, you know, chaos. chaos. Well, It'd be rugby. What, well, <laughs> even rugby has I'm, rules. I'm kidding. Um it would probably be more like a gladiatorial battle, right? Yeah. Anything goes. But when you have a society without any rules, when you have a morality, and I think this is the crux of this, when you have a morality without any system of rules or how you ought to behave, how you ought to behave or treat others, then you divulge into a chaotic state mm-hmm. where who cares about the rules we make them we decide what's true and so we can pick on who we want it just becomes the uh, matter of the strongest right yeah um whoever carries the biggest stick is now the ruler right that's literally what happens right because they start making spears because they're hunters and so now they start asserting their power and so sorry to hijack but uh, yeah no we are not even halfway through so i'm gonna start just kind of cruising through some of this stuff and one thing i do want to point out really quick is they're kind of just swimming yeah and they look out into the the horizon and they see smoke from a ship and they look up to where their fire is the signal fire that's supposed to putting out smoke and the fire's out and so ralph and piggy run up there and with simon so the it's kind of the trio they run up there and they realize no one is there they had like shifts set so that someone was always there keeping the fire going and we find out that jack had took all of the other big kids and brought them out hunting and they got a pig they got their first one but at the cost of putting the fire out and not being found and so this becomes a huge area of just like division because ralph knows that this fire is what's going to get them saved but all the others want to do is have fun and hunt and so we have another fight they punch piggy again they break one of the lenses in his glasses and they get the fire going again. But immediately after the meeting that we were just talking about, 
in, in the middle of the night, actually. So there's an air battle, uh, mm-hmm. airplanes from the war fighting, and a plane gets shot down, and a pilot ejects and falls onto the island. And so the two boys who are in charge of keeping the fire lit that night were asleep. And so they wake up, and really quickly they go to start the fire. Uh, they get it kind of worked back up again. And in doing so, they realize that this pilot had landed just outside of the light of the fire and they think it's the beast because the parachute's still connected so it's moving every time the wind blows and so they think it's this huge beast that's scaring them away and so from this point on they're terrified of the mountain and so the kids just run away and so is the pilot dead is that yeah he's dead sorry i should have clarified yeah yeah so they keep saying ralph keeps saying we need the fire we need the fire we need the fire Uh, They need the fire so they can get a signal so they can get found. But all the kids want to do is just play games and eat food. Right. And hunt, I guess, too. And so eventually the next day we find them going out and looking for the beast. Mm. And pretty soon they stop looking for the beast and they actually start looking for pigs. And they encounter a boar. And while they're fighting this boar, it kind of scares away all the other kids, and Ralph is left there, and he's the one that stabs it. He gets away, but he's so prideful that he stabbed mm-hmm. it, and that he actually goes to the other boys and trying to get their affirmation, saying, did you see that? Did you see what I did? Did you see how good that was? And stuff like that. And they get frustrated about the boar, and in this moment, they actually start reenacting what happened, and one of the boys pretends to be the pig, and they start beating on him. They actually hurt him. They don't kill him, but they actually hurt him because they get so lost in the moment of hunting, they almost become less human. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's really interesting that they end up losing sight of the fire because, and they get really consumed with this hunting. Because what you end up seeing is this tension between sort of like rationality mm-hmm. and this sort of base animalistic instinct yeah and so we as human beings are composite beings right we are body and soul soul. and where we differentiate ourselves from animals is that we have rational souls and we can know what is right and so really what satan hates us for is the fact that we are composite souls and that we are sort of the height of god's creation right angels sort of serve um and he wants to sort of remind us that we are sort of this this filth this matter this sort of animal right um and so he wants to make sure that help. He wants to lead us down a path where we sort of lose this height that we are. Um, right. You know, very often I see people that want to live in their passions, and it's like, you know, animals ultimately live in their passions. Is that something that we ultimately want to do? You know, we as a society are higher. We as a people, we as a creation are higher because of our, our unique place. Um, and sometimes we forfeit that for sin. Yeah, and we kind of see that happening in their conversations because they definitely have this mob mentality when when someone says something all of the kids especially the younger kids just to go along and repeat whatever is told to them yeah and so the very next morning we have jack this time jack calls the meeting not mm-hmm. ralph so he goes and he takes the conch and he calls him himself which has not happened up to this point ever and so he calls his own meeting and he basically says ralph is a bad chief i should be chief if you want me to be chief, let's vote on it now. And no one votes for him because they're all afraid. And so Jack is super embarrassed and he just runs away. And so 
Piggy suggests that rather than going up to the mountain to build the fire, they just build it there. And so they started doing that for a little bit, but before long, all of the older boys are gone. And they put it together that they went to go join Jack's group instead. So Jack tells them when they get there, we're just going to hunt, feast, and forget the beast altogether. But he says, when we hunt, we're going to leave part of the beast or part of the, the pigs for the beast as a sacrifice. And so it's kind of this idea where they've switched to this false god. Mm. And immediately they go out and they, they hunt, they kill this mother pig, and they cut off her head and leave the innards there to sacrifice the beast and put the head on a stake. And so for the rest of the book, this is known as the Lord of the Flies. So that's where the title of the book comes from. The reason being is the pigs, or the, the flies, swarm to the, this dead mm-hmm. pig. Yeah. And so in the very back of the book, I never realized this before, but have you ever seen like a horror movie where there's just flies coming out of a person? Yeah. Right. That represents Beelzebub. Mm. Right? It's yeah. a demon, which shows us that they're turning from this logic and reason and order and morality, mm-hmm. and they're turning to the point where they are worshiping and sacrificing to this false god, yeah. this Beelzebub. And as they're doing that, they become more and more animal-like and less human. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost something to it where in recognizing the moral order and recognizing the reasoning, yeah. we're actually more human because we're practicing what we're made to be, yeah. whereas they're practicing this disordered thing. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because there is a certain level that you can get through reason, right? You look at, for instance, Plato, and he had a lot of things that he said that were true, um, even though he didn't have the benefit of revelation. But that's the beauty that we have with revelation, whereas you have a lot of these pagan societies, and so if you're not using logic and reason and you're divorcing faith from reason, then you end up falling into this sort of superstition where you're uh, worshiping, you know, a demon or a false idol. Yeah. Because you're not actually thinking through that and realizing that God has created our intellect and that he reveals who he is and in accordance with reason we can kind of understand him more and better. Right. Yeah, and so at this point we actually start to see Simon, who to this point he was honestly my favorite character probably. Yeah. Because he's quiet, he's for the most part really kind. Yeah. But at this point, we start to see, he starts to hear voices that aren't there. Mm -hmm. And we see kind of this struggle. But at that same moment, Jack's group realizes now they have a dead pig, they have meat, but they don't have a fire because they left the glasses Mm -hmm. and the fire at the other group. And so they attack Ralph's group and they steal fire. And now we have this real division where it's no longer just an argument, it's almost a war between them, where Jack, rather than going and asking for fire, which Ralph later on says, if you just asked, I would have given it to you. But instead you attacked us. And they made it it violent. At one point they even beat up these guys in the middle of the night. And so right after that, we see a lot of the people who are still with Ralph go over to Jack's side for the fun, for the meat, for these kind of sensual pleasures, the mm-hmm. animalistic nature. 
And then right after that, Simon starts talking to the Lord of the Flies, the pig head. And they have a full-on conversation where the, the pig head is essentially telling him different lies and different things. And he ends up passing out. Simon does. And right after that, he when he wakes up, he decides to go up to find the beast. So he goes up there and he finds out the truth because he goes during the day. And he runs back to the camp to tell them what happened. And so we flash back to the other group. Piggy and Ralph and everyone else actually go to Jack's camp because they're hungry. They just want food. And so everyone's there. They're arguing. Eventually a storm comes in and they start doing this dance. And their dance is actually the same thing where they're beating up the kid who was acting like the pig before. That's their dance. It's a pretend hunt, essentially. And so they do that to try and calm the storm. And in the middle of that, a shadow runs out to them from the forest. We know, as the reader, that it's Simon, but they don't realize who it is. And so in their frenzy, they think he's the beast, and they kill him. Mm -hmm. And his body uh, ends up on the beach and is washed out to sea, and he's never seen again. And so everyone, including Ralph and Piggy, although they claim that they didn't, participated in this murder. So we see them just falling more and more into this animalistic nature. So the next morning, the only people that are left in the main camp are Ralph, Piggy, and the two twins, who I don't think I mentioned, but they're kind of older. And they all know what happened last night, but no one wants to admit to what happened. And so they're like, oh yeah, we left. We left early. We weren't there. But in that statement, they're already acknowledging something happened. Yeah. So there's kind of that. Uh, Ralph starts to talk about how he longs for society again, and he's tired of t- tired of the wild. He wants society, he wants this order again. He wants adults, rules, society, safety. And this is when they're attacked the second time. And they're attacked inside their hut as they're trying to sleep, and this time they don't take fire, they take Piggy's glasses. Because that's the power start, the fire. And so now Piggy's blind, and Ralph and Piggy have lost everything. So those four decide to go back to Jack's group and ask them nicely, essentially. So one thing I do want to point out is, I didn't notice this until this late in the book, but Jack has red hair, and they point that out quite a bit. Red is kind of like fire or evil or whatever. And then Ralph is a really bright blonde, and so we see this contrast between kind of this dark and light again. Yeah. And so, in this moment, they go up and they kind of talk to Jack's crew, who now they've set up traps and stuff around their camp. And Ralph says to Jack, who comes out of the woods, he says, you're a beast and a swine and a bloody thief. And so he's already recognizing, like, you're no longer even human. And then Piggy right after this says, which is better, to have rules and agree or to hunt and kill each other? Which is better, to have law and rescue or hunting and breaking things up? And so we see how morality Mm -hmm. is like keeping them together and then this loss of who they were and their identity is falling into disorder, breaking of the community, killing, all these things that they recognized or used to recognize were bad and now no longer even see the harm that they're doing. They're so blinded by it. And so after this, Robert, who I mentioned earlier, was the, kind of the bloodthirsty one. He pulls the trap, and a rock falls on Piggy. Piggy falls 
off a cliff mm-hmm. to his death. And then his body rises, or the water rises up and washes his body out of the sea. And so after this, they charge Ralph. They chase him around. But as they're chasing him, they pause at the pig head and almost worship at it, even though they're in the middle of their hunt for, for Ralph. And so I, I think there's also this symbolism yeah. of killing the pigs throughout the story and then Piggy uh, being their, their final victim uh, for this part of the story. So then we move into the last chapter. I'm trying to get through as quick as possible. Recap. In the, the next part here, this is Ralph. So as they're kind of hunting him in, in the woods, Ralph says, he even gl- glimpsed one of them, striped brown, black, and red. This is their, their war paint. When they're wearing that, they're no longer themselves. They become crazy. This is, and he judged that it was Bill, which is one of the other characters. But really, thought Ralph, this was not Bill. This was a savage whose image refused to blend with that ancient picture of a boy in shorts and a shirt. And so we see that he's no longer even he's no longer Bill. It's not even the same person. He's lost his identity through yeah. a kind of adapting to savage nature because that's not who he's made for. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think oftentimes we want to put on these masks or put on these personas. And that's and I think it's funny in the very beginning, that's what it was. It's like, oh, we're who we're our normal self. We're going to put on this hunter mask, right? Right, and we're going to just be hunters when we're wearing this mask. But what we find out through sin, and this is sort of the idea, um, uh, you know, like the movie The Purge, which tries to make the suggestion that. Oh, if you just have one night where you get it all out of your system, then everyone will be great the rest of the time. But we see that's not the way sin works, and sin works much more like how it is in this book, where you pretend to put on that mask and you say, "Oh, I can remove it any time," but ultimately that mask becomes you, and that in in the real mask is when you try to pretend that you're not just giving into sin, and that sin ultimately corrupts you and turns you into that. Yeah, I think we did a, an episode similar to this earlier on on Harry Potter and the Horcruxes and how those Horcruxes, those sins, tend to change our identity yeah. almost and, and who we actually are. And so just to kind of recap how, how this ends, um, they chase Ralph through the woods and they actually start the entire island on fire to try and scare Ralph out and like smoke him out, essentially. And it works, and they start the entire island on fire. So they chase him around, they're trying to hunt him so he's dodging the hunters and the fire and eventually he runs out to the beach and when he does that he falls at the feet of a British Navy officer the huge island on fire like the smoke Mm -hmm. again the fire is what saved them the smoke was big enough in in the sky that it brought a ship to them and so they're finally rescued and the last thing is the Navy officer basically asks but jokingly says are you playing war or something? And Ralph doesn't even speak. He just nods his head yes. And then he's like, jokingly asks, oh, well, do you have any victim or any casualties? And Ralph says, yeah, two. And then they just start to cry, and the officer kind of waits for them, and that's how it ends. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think that that... That's one of those things, and you say everyone cries, even the kids who are hunting them? Uh, does it really say it that? Doesn't really it doesn't really clarify Ralph, for sure, Yeah, but it doesn't really say who else. It says everyone else is there, but, yeah. Because I wonder, you know, when you're caught in sin, I 
think a lot of times when you're really stuck there, you delude yourself and you're not thinking that it's bad. But the moment that you actually realize, or especially with these kids, they realize what they've done, I could, I could see them breaking down. You yeah. know, because I think often we face that in our own lives where, oh, my sin's not that bad, my sin's not that bad, and the moment you like... See reality. Yeah, it's the moment that the darkness comes to light, you realize how dark it was, then you break down. Right, and I think that's why we're so afraid of Christ sometimes. Because yeah. He's the light. And we don't want our sins to be exposed to the light. Yeah. We're afraid of that. And I actually want to read, uh, this is from the epilogue. Okay. Um, it kind of just talks about the whole theme and purpose of the book. Mm-hmm. Just one paragraph. It seems kind of long, but I think it's really important. So it says, The theme of The Lord of the Flies is described by Golding, who's the author, as follows. The theme is an attempt to trace the defects of society back to the defects of human nature, which is a little bit what we talked about. Mm-hmm. The moral is that the shape of a society must depend on the ethical nature of the individual and not on any political system, however apparently logical or respectable. So even though Piggy and Ralph were so focused on what is logical and reasonable, it ultimately comes down to the morality mm-hmm. of the individual that keeps the society together. Yeah, well, I think that's a we really see that now. Yeah, I think living in America, you can look at the founding, you can read all those documents, you can say how logical and great a system it was, but as we mentioned in the Brave New World episodes, when you start to have that decay of the individual, it begins to decay into the society. Mm-hmm. And that, I think this truly proves and shows that no sin is individualistic. Like no yeah. man is an island. No right. sin is completely personal. It ultimately bleeds out. It affects everyone. Yeah. 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 So it, it goes on, so I want to keep going here. Okay. It says, The whole book is symbolic in nature, except the rescue in the end, where adult life appears dignified and capable, but in reality, enmeshed in the same evil as the symbolic life of the children on the island. The officer, having interrupted a manhunt, prepares to take the children off the island in a cruiser, which will presently be hunting its enemy in the same impl- implacable way, I don't know if that's the right word, and who will rescue the adult and his cruiser. And so it's this idea that the soldiers are in war. Yeah. And so even after they rescue these kids, they're about to go out and do the exact same thing. So even the society that these kids were dreaming about being safe and lawful and, and this ideal, even in that society, but we think of British society a lot of times as being this high-class, proper society, right? And this is saying, no. These guys are still going out to do the exact same thing that these children are doing on the island. Yeah. And so we see this play that it's not just the kids. It's yeah. the fact that all of us are going back to this animalistic nature that we're not made for. Mm-hmm. Because of that, it's damaging all of society. Yeah, I kind of see, you know, when we look back at our childhood, we always see that it was sort of, you know, I look back and like, oh, the 90s were the best time ever. And, you know, then you talk to my parents, and they're like, oh, no, it was the 70s. You know, when you talk yeah, about everyone it. says that. The game always says that because we see our childhood through child's eyes, mm-hmm. through more of this innocence, more of this I am protected, like I have these people who care for me and there's yeah. a structure that I have. And when we get older, we realize that we don't really have that anymore. Right. I think it's interesting because I think that that is a really good parallel. I also see who who's going to save them. I also see that sort of order, that thing is almost like a Christ, right? That steps in at the end that can ultimately save us, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that we have the option now. 
assume that any of the kids do it, but ultimately the kids could choose to remain on the island and just hunt themselves to death. Yeah. And I think also that's the short-sightedness, short-sightedness of sin that they burned the whole island. So if they were to remain, they wouldn't be anything to hunt or eat or have anything. It mentions that too. It would all be burned. Yeah. It's all gone. And that's the vanity that we have. But yeah, that whole idea of we still hunt each other and that there's this still this interplay. That's uh, a really good, yeah, wow. Well, and I think your first reaction in this case, if you're trying to do this along with us, is to think that the Navy officer is some kind of Christ figure. Yeah. But I think this last part that I mentioned proves that that's not the case because he's in the mm-hmm. same position. And so that question at the end is who's going to save him? Well, that points us to something greater. That points us to someone else mm-hmm. who is beyond this suffering, who has maintained this morality, and so that is where yeah. Christ well, comes in. Well, I think of like St. Paul says, you know, when I was a child, I did childish things, but when I became an adult, I had to set aside childish things, right? Mm-hmm. And when I look at the adults in that, we are all really just children. Right. Even the oldest person is a child compared to God. And so... I think that's the answer. Because I think that the way the kids viewed this adult as this sort of figure of great, great yeah, yeah, of something that, that was bigger and greater, and we see that maybe that's not the case, mm-hmm. but that man was still just a child compared to the, the Father in heaven, the one who really can step down and save us from the island that we ultimately destroy in our own vanity. Yeah, so I wonder if, if we go into a challenge here and yeah. maybe you have a better one, but okay. um, I'm just wondering, maybe our challenge this week can be taking a step back and looking at our life mm-hmm. and saying, what sin are we letting corrupt us? What what sin are we not allowing Christ to shine his light on yeah. that we're trying to hold back and that's changing who we are? And we all have that sin, whether we want to admit it or not. We all have at least one or more of those sins. Right. Our vices, right? Yeah that's corrupting who we are that's shading our identity and maybe it's something small maybe it's not but we all have it and so yeah. this week I challenge you to take a step back and actually identify what that is and do something about yeah. it and I think take actionable steps yes because you know one of the wisdoms of the church is that things have habits right like habit or our sin ends up being a habit and we have to form habits and so vice is a habit that we form and the way to beat sin and vice is to create habits of good things so which is virtue right which is virtue a virtuous thing so when we look at what is that sin find out not just what the sin is but what leads to ultimately to that path what are the things that we need to change in our lives to lead us down to that other path for sure any final shout outs you have yeah i did have one if you have one go ahead do you have one i do not okay I did have one. I kind of got to pull it up here. So it was a new listener that I noticed. Cody Reynolds. Okay. So I don't know if you know him, but he was listening here. So shout out to Cody. And to all our new listeners, we've had quite a few new listeners in the past couple weeks. If you just joined us after Gomer, thanks for thanks for coming. Yeah, I hope that uh, hope you guys like what you hear so far. Yeah. Please feel free to, to share us, guys. Um, yeah. Okay, I, I just want to go back really quickly when you were talking about the challenge and about what it is. Another way to sort of phrase that, going back to the mask, is when we wear the mask, we really block Good, yeah. God from being able to enter into that. 
And so we need to be able to remove it, yeah, wipe, remove, off the paint. wipe off the paint, remove the dirt to the point where we're no longer hiding. Because when you look at Genesis, if Adam were to come out of hiding and just be like, we've sinned and repented, salvation history would look a lot different. Mm. But Adam and Eve hid. Yeah. And God can't help us when we are hiding from his grace. That's good. Yeah. So shout out to all those guys. And yeah, so just some closing thoughts. If you haven't seen yet, we have a YouTube channel posting bi-weekly videos. So go check those out. We should have, I think, three out by the time this episode comes out, at least two. So please check those out. If you like what we're doing, please, please help sponsor us as our patron on Patreon. You can find the link below. Check that out for as little as a couple of dollars, or mm-hmm. I think our lowest one is $5 yeah. uh, to start getting rewards back. But if you want to do a dollar a month, do a dollar a month. Everything helps. We're trying to get some better equipment, but we actually had some technical difficulties yes. earlier on. And if you're a patron, you can watch those yeah. <laughs> live. So that's one of the things you can watch live recordings of all of our yeah. So you, you could have watched us fumble and freak out. And so if you if you didn't notice, great, we are masters of editing. And by we, I mean Clint. If you did notice, then we're horribly sorry, and we hope that through uh, Patreon we're able to get some better equipment so things like this don't happen. Yeah, I mean, it happens to the best of us. So, yeah. so thank you guys. Also, please follow us on Twitter, at OnTheAdventure2, on Facebook, on SoundCloud, whatever. And please leave us a review, whatever you're listening to us on. It just helps us reach out to more people. And this episode's going really long. So, Steve, you want to go ahead and sign us off here? Yeah, thanks again for joining us on the adventure. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys.